That was a treat. And it would be a treat to find some fruit on the tree, right? Three years he kept looking to get fruit off of that tree. Okay? Didn't find any. Found none. Chop it down. No, not yet. Be patient. Let's give it another year. That's all significant together with all the lessons that we have today. What do you expect to get in the vineyard? What kind? Huh? Wood? It would be wood if you had to cut it down. What do you expect in the vineyard? Grapes, right? That's a sudden shift in this whole story, right? It's not what you expect. He comes looking for figs on the fig tree, which is planted in the vineyard. Now, one thing I learned in school is that you don't press any detail in a parable. This is in a parable form, remember? A parable is a story. I was trained, it's a likely story. Most of the time you hear, when you tell a parable, the kingdom of heaven is like. And I was trained, you only make one point out of a parable, with the exception of a parable that talks about four different kinds of soil. I mean, that begs you to say one, two, three, four, and talk about each of the four kinds of soil, and what kind of soil are you? That the sower goes out to sow, throws the seed, you know, some lands in the path, some goes here, some goes there. Birds of the air come and eat some of it, right? So there are kinds of problems in that story. I want to talk, though, about the whole basis of the parable, not so much about the fig tree, because that's an oddity, but about being a vineyard. And if I had to substitute something for the vineyard, for grapes, what would I substitute? People. Yeah, what kind of people, do you know? Faithful people, it would be nice if they were. No, but a nice guess. Who comprises the vineyard? What kind of people make up the vineyard? Everybody? That would be nice. And I think that's true. But originally it applies to... Jesus is telling this parable, correct? 
Where is he when he's telling the parable? Is he up in Galilee? Where a lot of people... He spends most of his ministry up in Galilee. Incidentally, he spends three years of ministry, most of it in Galilee. But he's not in Galilee now. And he tells stories about that, but the people around him right now are in the vicinity of Jerusalem. He's longing to go to Jerusalem. You hear sometimes about prophets, and Jesus says, what happens in Jerusalem to the prophets? They stone them, they kill them. And he's going there to be killed. But he's trying to make a point to us. The vineyard are the Israelites, the chosen people of God. The Jews, whether they're up in Galilee or in Jerusalem, doesn't much matter. Not yet the church, although you can do that to me, and I'll agree with you, it is the people of the church. And they tend to be people both faithful and not so faithful. But it's a people. And if you listen to all the lessons today, people are not always faithful. They're not always dependable. Are you? Not always, huh? But it's the vineyard of the Lord. It's the chosen by whom? Who does the choosing? God does. In fact, their very name as a nation comes from Israel or Jacob. I mean, just to keep you confused, you know, he's got two names. And these are the children of Israel that comprise, and guess where they're at? In the Holy Land, we call it, right? Notice I didn't say Palestinians or Jewish at all. I said the Holy Land. Okay, that's intentional on my part because both of those people occupy that soil. Uh, and in that garden, in that vineyard, he expects off of the fig tree figs. That there is a vineyard is already a lesson in the grace of God whether you are Israelite or Jew or Galilean, God's choice. They actually go into the promised land after the death of Moses, correct? He doesn't get to go in. And it's a land supposedly flowing with milk and honey, which it, I suppose you could find in a few places. To me, that holy land is filled with rocks. I mean, there's a reason Palestinians throw rocks at the Jewish forces, because that's all the ammunition you'll ever need. It's all over the place. Um, I would never call it my promised land, but because it isn't, I mean, my gosh, I served in Iowa. It's a whole lot better than 
the Holy Land terrain, although I like the northern part better. That's neither here nor there. I'm going to give you a land, and you're going to have houses that you didn't build, and guess what you're going to have in that promised land? Vineyards that you didn't plant. They're yours because God has chosen you. Israel is often seen as the vineyard, the planting of God himself. And so are you. Chosen of God. It's a lesson. Isn't this the Lutheran Church? This is a lesson in sola gratia, by grace alone. It's God who calls us, and he calls us to be his people. Now, he has a right to expect that we produce some fruit, I guess. And we can, at times, produce some fruit, but don't brag about it to me. Because if this is a Lutheran church, and I'm a Lutheran pastor, I don't care much about that, you know. Um, yeah, I expect it from you, because you are God's children. And it's going to flow like God gives grace. And he says, I'll be your God, you will be my people, just like Israel is the people of God. There are terrible stories told around this. Unless you believe and repent, you could be like these others upon whom disaster falls. But it's grace. And it's grace without end. How about if I dig around this, fertilize it a little? I'm skipping the fertilization part because you may feel you don't want to be fertilized much anymore. Uh, you've had enough of that fertilizer for now. But, and we'll see what happens. It's called forbearance. That's what we call it in the Bible. That's what we call it in church, forbearance. On whose part? Hmm? On God's part. It's not yours. Again, it's his doing. Now, I just want to stretch what I was trained to make one point out of a parable, not more. But what kind of tree? This is a fig tree, which you don't expect in a vineyard, right? Not a grape. Christ is crucified on a tree. Sin enters the world from a tree. Knowledge of good and evil, right? Then you'll be like God. God, who has forbearance, patience, even with me, when I don't produce like a God's child should. Still, he has forbearance, patience with me, because his love goes on and on. Now, this is where the story gets to be a problem for me. I did get to go in 60, I think it was 60, um, 
because you went to Oberammergau too, see the Passion Play? And the church decided I was getting old and I'd been there a long time, so they paid my fare to go to the Holy Land and also to go Oberammergau, um, which after the Holy Land was kind of boring. Uh, it, was, it was neat to see what they could do, but uh, be that as it may, I learned in the Holy Land to favor some of the residents. I, what kind of tree do you think was used in the crucifixion? This is, make sure you're still paying attention because I'm raising a question. I might call on you. What do you think? Oh, that was my choice. Oh, good for you. Because their attitude is you can't kill an olive tree. And if I were to build a church, I'd build it with an altar and plant a tree right by the altar, but I'd plant an olive tree. Well, I, I, that was, I thought that was right. That was my guess. Um, most people would guess a palm tree because they're common. And, of course, you're trying to make an example of Jesus, right? So when you've got to put up the cross beam, just put it on a tree outside the gates of Jerusalem where everyone can see it, and that'll teach you, kind of like some of the lesson. That'll teach you. Remember, there are some destructions there. Well, in the destruction of God's only begotten son, of Jesus, he's made to be that example. This should be a warning to you. Palm trees are all around. Place of judgments right at the city gates. That's where the courts are held. So put them up on the very kind of thing that puts sin into our world and into us. Everyone could see it, let it be a lesson to us. So whether it's a palm tree, I don't know. Um, the tree can go on and on if it's an olive tree. Um, but in this case, it's a fig tree, in the way the story is told, which again is an oddity. Maybe it's odd enough to include you and me. God at work in us. Remember, he's in work in us, solely out of grace, solely for his own glory. It makes sense that we're here today. If God has chosen us to be his own, and calls us to see a tree that should bear fruit. And the fruit that we see when we come here is that it's his son on the tree of the crucifixion, whatever kind of tree it was. It's a tree for you and for me. And to remind us, get the message? You are God's child. And he's patient even forbearing, not only forgiving us, but keeping us as his own. Over and over again. All we can do is bear fruit? Well, how about thank and praise him instead? 
It's a good reason that you're here today to be here with me, to thank God, because God is still God, and it's different than us, and he's better than us, and he loves us still. For all which it is my duty to thank and praise and serve and obey him. This is most certainly true. Amen. Peace of Christ be with you always. Seeing the grace, mercy, and love of Almighty God, we offer our prayers 